There are moments created by master filmmakers which unleash your childhood fears. Something can come in and bite you on the neck and turn you into this horrible vampire. They infuse our nightmares. The film was so strong that I was a little worried that I caught some plague off the film. And terrify us. Almost every horror movie now has that last little up. They push the boundaries. It's those moments when you think, this filmmaker is dangerous. They make us scream. For half the movie, I was like, ah! And jump out of our seats. First time the shark jumped up, and I jumped. I didn't go out and around like, hey. It was just boom, boom. These are the moments we never forget. Even Pinhead, who doesn't do a decent, nice thing through eight movies, um, but somehow or other still manages to get fan mail from women who would like to bear his children. Presenting the 100 scariest moving moments, a countdown of the greatest moments of cinema shot. Alright, good evening, and welcome into another episode of America's Hometown Horror. My name is Mike, I am your host, and thanks for checking back in, uh, checking back in on the show, I should say. If I could only get a sentence out of my mouth, off to a rare and good start here. Uh, uh, but as usual, we have a very, very packed episode here tonight, so why don't we jump right in. And uh, first and foremost, let me just get out of the way some housekeeping things, and I'll tell you a little bit about where you can find us online first place is our website which is apod.com that's a-h-h-p-o-d.com that's our lovely website which has all sorts of information about the show and the latest addition to that website which is our blog which we will be adding to much more frequently in the upcoming future you can also find us on youtube facebook twitter and instagram just search for america's hometown horror or hometown horror pod one of those variations you'll get us for sure and you can also shoot us an email at hometown horror podcast at gmail.com and of course, I'd be remiss if I did not mention our two partners in crime, which first of which is Horror Facts Magazine. You can find them over at HorrorFacts.com. Great little resource if you're a horror fan uh, for news, reviews, and other horror podcasts just like ours. And of course, we're also partnering with the First Name and Fright since 1979, Fangoria Magazine. Uh, we are giving all of our listeners an exclusive 20% discount. All you have to do is head on over to shop.fangoria.com slash hometown horror pod to take advantage of it. And you'd be quite silly to not take advantage of it because you get 20% off a first-time magazine subscription or any merchandise from the store. So head on over to shop.fangoria.com slash hometown horror pod or just use the code hometown horror pod at checkout for an exclusive 20% discount at Fangoria. And let's say hello to my fellow co-host this evening, Matt, Andrew, gentlemen, what's happening? Good evening. Good evening. Good <laughs> evening, indeed. How's everybody doing? Good. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Just uh, trying to, I guess, wade my way through my uh, my yearly November depression that hits me once uh, October has ended, and uh, you know it's it's no longer spooky season. But I, you know. It's always spooky season for us. We always have spooky stuff going on, so I shouldn't be that depressed. And I mean, shit, who am I kidding? I pretty much watched the same amount of horror <laughs> uh, throughout the entire year anyway, so it really doesn't affect me too much. I just feel like there's less uh, there's less things coming out, so it's not quite as overwhelming, but it's also not quite as exciting. Yeah, I feel like I watch more 
par stuff in the winter because I'm not working as much. So I can watch like four moon a day, stay up all night. So it's like October. I feel like I didn't watch. It. I went hard. Yeah, <laughs> I did too. <laughs> I, went, I went really hard. <laughs> I'm still like, but, uh, I haven't stopped. Yeah. Yep. It's uh, it's definitely, it's definitely not something that I that I pump the brakes on very much. But Andrew, you sound so much better this week. It's great to ha- be able to hear you loud and clear with a nice microphone and headphones and the whole nine. So, so welcome aboard. Guests can't see me either because I look fake. So. You do look fantastic, <laughs> if I do say so myself. <laughs> All right, so we got a fun one here tonight. I am pretty excited to uh, to do this little episode, as uh, you know, we're kind of we're kind of riffing on a popular show that has been out over the last couple of months that we talked about uh, quite extensively. But more on that in a little bit. Before we get into all that, we should get through our usual stuff here, talk about some watch lists. But before we do watch list stuff, guys, a couple, couple little pieces of news, some things that I thought were newsworthy that we can just run through here real quick and then talk about what we watched before we get after it here tonight. Um, first and foremost, I should say, this I believe came out last week. Uh, do you guys know that you can now stream Terrifier 2 exclusively on Screenbox, which is the streaming service curated by Bloody Disgusting? It is literally on my teeth. <laughs> oh, nice. There you go. Yeah. So I still haven't seen this one yet. Um, my intent is to probably watch it this week. And uh, I know you guys both spoke pretty highly of it. I'm, I'm excited to see it. And uh, I, I hope I'm not let down. It certainly seems like it's been pretty popular amongst horror fans. And it's uh, kicking ass in theaters if it's still in theaters. I think it, if, if so, it's like down to a showing a day. But I, I know we talked about this offline before, but I just think it's fucking hilarious that Bloody Disgusting submitted it for an Oscar. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And I think they have to watch it, like, because it was... That makes me laugh, just thinking yeah. about old farts, old fuddy-duddy film critics, members of the Academy having to sit back and watch uh, Terrifier 2. <laughs> it it makes it better that it's fucking two hours and 19 as Yeah, well. like, <laughs> not just like an hour and 20 minutes to sit through, like excessive gore and just yeah yeah i'm not gonna lie that that's probably the most daunting aspect of having to watch this i don't even think daunting is the right word because i'm excited to see it but i mean that is a long long horror movie it's pretty it's pretty fun it's a, it's entertaining the entire time okay you'll have I to watch it as much we can do a little podcast you do because that movie yeah. fucking slaps hard yeah i know like i said both you guys i know you liked it pretty much andrew i think you said you liked it better than the original right i think so i thought it was more I don't know. The original was really good too, but this one was just for some reason I can't really explain it. I just like maybe because I saw it in theaters and it was kind of like an event and it was exciting, excited to see it. That like you know what I mean? Yeah, I am. I am pretty bummed that I missed out on that. But uh, my my daughter was on the way, so unfortunately I could not partake. But I mean, talk about a special event for if you're a fan of horror. I think that's pretty cool that it it was a in theaters and b it's been in theaters and been doing as well as it has for this long. Yeah, it um. I like this one better than the first one. Just it has a better story. It's a better movie in general. Um, it has the definite like sequel factor where it's it's funnier. It's going more over the top. It's, it it's a fucking awesome. Movie. Yeah, don't underrate the humor in that movie. It's fucking awesome. yeah. It's very funny. Okay, fair enough. Well, I uh, I very much look forward to being able to check it out and then report back next week. So I'll let you know. All right, cool. So and then a couple other quick things here that I thought were pretty pretty noteworthy. Um, this one, out of left field, and I mean, sequels to movies that have not had sequels made in several years are, are not uh, an uncommon thing right now. But I just saw this today, and I my jaw dropped. Uh, so apparently Danny Boyle, if you're familiar with his work, uh, said recently 
if not today, that he would be, quote, very tempted to direct a sequel to 28 Days Later and 28 Weeks Later, which would, of course, be called 28 Months Later. Uh, apparently, this is actually like somewhat into development. There's a script that has been written, and it was written by Alex Garland, um, who I believe wrote the first one, and he also wrote and directed Annihilation and Men, which I know we were all a fan of. So awesome. I ask you, gentlemen, ex- would you be excited at the prospect of a third 28 Days Later film? With with every, with all the original um, players returning in terms of writing and directing, there's no doubt in my mind that I would be in line at the theaters opening night. Yeah, me too. Same. And I did I did see in the article that that Killian Murphy would like to return as well. That's fucking. Look at that. What yeah. a day. <laughs> yeah. Right. Hey. And I. I, I saw this and I was thinking to myself that I, I haven't seen 28 weeks later in quite a while, but I do remember oh, it actually being like, like pretty good, like pretty yeah, good when point. I first saw it. I remember my only kind of um, issue with that movie when it first came out is it wasn't as gritty as the other one. Like it was more yeah. Like, it obviously had a bigger budget, so, but it still was a good movie. It's just that kind of, it's hard to recapture 28. Yeah. The first one feels like a yeah. dream. <laughs> yeah. Talk about lightning in a bottle. I mean, just just such an awesome, awesome movie. But hey, you know, uh, back in Danny Boyle's hands, if they were to make a third one, I'm, I'm right there. I'd be right there with you in line, Matt. So we'll see what happens with 28 months later. But I thought that was a pretty interesting piece of news. And then uh, potentially the most interesting thing that I've seen over the last uh, week or so. This was kind of all over the place on Bloody Disgusting, Fangoria, all over social media. Um, so I'm sure you guys have probably seen this, that they are developing, or it's been greenlit, a, uh, a series on Peacock called Crystal Lake, which is going to serve as a Friday the 13th prequel series. And it's going to be helmed by Brian Fuller, who uh, was responsible for the unbelievably awesome Hannibal TV series. So um, I know we talked about Friday the 13th a couple weeks back on an episode gave our varying thoughts on the franchise overall in that first movie. So gentlemen, I ask you and Matt, I know you're a bigger fan. So I'll start with you. Are you excited for this crystal Lake prequel series? What are your thoughts? Uh, this is, it's pretty much like the same idea as um, the, the 28 months later thing. There's a lot of good names attached to this. Um, Brian Fuller. That's great. Uh, obviously a 24. I'm interested to see. I think that's going to bring more of a drama aspect to it. Um, it, it may be taken a little more seriously, um, but it also may be a lot more over the top um, and psychologically uh, kind of fucking crazy. So um, I think if it if it's anything like the way they did Bates Motel with um, Psycho, I, I'm I'm excited. I thought that that was also a great show. Um, I thought I had a cool story. So I've never seen that show, but I've heard it's I've heard similar things. Yeah, it's good. And I did not, I did actually not, I didn't see that A24 was going to be behind that too, which is, I think that makes yeah. it much more interesting. Yeah, um, I'd be, I'd be interested in watching that. I mean, not the biggest Friday the 13th end, but the new, get me into it. Again, it's a series. Oh my God. <laughs> I know. It's okay. But well, I mean, and you, you loved Hannibal. So I feel like this would be an easy sell for you. Same guy that did that show, yeah, doing a new show. I, I mean. I did thoroughly enjoy Hannibal, but I also. Am incredibly obsessed. So great books. Yeah, I know you've spoken very highly of the books too, Matt. I, I still have to check those out. So, all right, cool. Yeah, so Crystal Lake coming to Peacock. Uh, not exactly sure when, but uh, we're getting it, folks. So 
continues to be an exciting time to be alive if you're a horror fan. So, uh, with that being said, uh, I know I have a few things that I want to talk about here that I watched, guys. Um, I'm assuming you guys have as well. Andrew, why don't we start off with you? What have you been watching, bud? I haven't watched much. I watched one movie on Shudder called Raven's Hollow. Maybe at all. I've heard of it. It was uh, basically Edgar Allan Poe is like with his like four other cadets or whatever who they're like training to be in the military. I think it is something like that or the police corps over in England and stumble across this body that looked like it was murdered in a very ritualistic way. And so the guy's last word was that he asked who, who killed who killed you is Raven. And they find this town called Raven's Hollow, so they go there. And there's a lot of tie-ins to certain aspects of Poe's stories. So it's kind of interesting in that way, but it kind of falls flat. At least it was very disappointing because I love Edgar Do it. Yeah, I was gonna say that sounds like a, that sounds like it's right up your alley. The premise was really cool. I liked the idea of it, but it just didn't. Just there was nothing. Blah. I wouldn't okay. waste time. I mean, if you're really running out of things to watch. But... Okay. All right. So, uh, and I'm sorry, it is called Raven's Hollow, correct? And you said it's on Shutter. It's on Shutter, yeah. Okay. All right. I'll have to check that one out. That all you got? Raven's Hollow? That is all I have watched, the element of horror. Okay. Fair enough. I know it's been busy times all around, so I understand. And I know t- people do tend to fade a little bit after October, so I understand. Mr. Audette, what have you been watching? Um, so I've been like in the process of like slowly updating all my DVDs to like Blu-ray and 4K. Um, so some of the stuff that I have gotten already, I've been watching some of those, and they're for the most part rewatches. Um, but a lot of stuff I haven't seen in a long time. I watched Lucio Fambi, which um, is an Italian zombie movie, which is actually like pretty fucking crazy. Uh, it's a 1979 movie, uh, Italian. And um, it's good. Like it, it's like a wild, bloody, fucking crazy zombie. Good gore, good effects. Um, definitely check it out if you haven't. It's worth doing a spin just as a horror fan because you'll enjoy it. Um, I watched um, Halloween three, Nightmare on Elm Street three. I watched Night of the Living Dead. Those are like kind of all my like accumulated Halloween watch. Um, how the original Halloween. Um, I'm not going into detail on those, obviously. Uh, I did rewatch Audition, which is so fucking insane. I, I have a feeling that might come up in a little was, bit. But, um, yeah, I don't want to. I'm gonna spare it because I'm at least gonna uh, have some stuff to say later. I think. But um, a new watch. I did watch Don't Worry, Darling. I watched that yesterday. Uh, ah, it's on HBO. Okay. This was. Oh, I didn't know that was on HBO. Now. I, I mean, yeah, I went on. And I was like, oh, I'll find a movie, and I saw it was like the headlining thing. So I was like, oh, fuck it, and. uh as bad as I thought it was going to be because it got really bad reviews. Um, it's definitely, it's not exactly like horrific and terrifying, but it does have a cool plot. Um, I, I thought it had a twist. I was into it. Um, and Florence Pugh is fucking love her. She rocks. Um, but it was kind of like a Stepford Wives thing with like a Truman type thing. But uh, also has like a little deeper than that. I don't want to give it away because it does have a cool t- I think it's worth the watch. Check it out. Um, it's a good like two hour flick. So um, okay, that, that, those are it, my watches. That movie definitely piqued my interest, like when it first got announced. But I feel like there was such a fucking media shitstorm surrounding it, which was completely, you know, blown out of whack by Olivia Wilde. And I feel like there was just so much drama surrounding it. It was just it turned me off. 
But oh, now that, yeah, honestly, it got a lot of word of mouth and a lot of buzz, so it, it worked. But um, yeah, maybe now there's a little bit of distance between the release date and and you know all of that bullshit. Maybe I'll have to go and check that one out. I wish you okay. Fair enough. What were your uh, what were your thoughts on one Harry Styles acting chops? Uh, uh not bad. Uh, I mean, it wasn't anything outstanding, but it wasn't any. I wasn't like this guy sucks. Like he was believable. So for the part that he was playing. Um, I was more, it's much more of a female driven uh, role and kind of story. So, so I, I was really locked in on Flor- uh, Florence Pugh because she was exceptional. I, 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 she's my celebrity crush. In. <laughs> she's definitely easy on the eyes. That's for yeah. sure. Harry and a very good actress. Likes, uh... Well, Harry Styles, not, not a bad looking guy. No, there's not a bad looking person in the movie. So you're right yeah, now, right. But, um, it is. Yeah, Chris, it P- cool. Chris Pine's good too. Chris I think Pine it's a watch. Trying to turn into like an alien. He's got that Tom Brady. <laughs> Dude, Brady. Brady looks like a. You know, like the. Uh, oh my god! What were the race of aliens from South Park? It was was it the Goobacks? Matt, you would know. He looks like one of the yeah, Goobacks yeah, yeah, from yeah. South Park. Oh my god! Like uh, his his headshot now that they show on. Like I'm like, dude, what are you doing? He. I like, was saying. God. I think. I think he looks like the episode of Always Sunny when Den- uh when Dennis goes to rehab. And he's in with Sad and Rob Thomas. He looks like Rob Thomas in that episode. <laughs> he kind of does. Which is I bad. love that episode. <laughs> it's very Dennis is Sinbad's man. bitch. Yeah. yeah, you in Sinbad's house. Sinbad's house. <laughs> the same one where Danny DeVito and uh, Frank and Mac go to uh, like try and meet up with uh, Mr. Bon Von Jovi. Is that the same? Bon Von Jovi. Yeah. Yeah. Bone vine show. Max wearing like a bald cap with a toupee over it. Unbelievable. Such a good show. I love that show so much. They lose their beard hair too. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I find Always Sunny is a lot like Seinfeld, where there's usually something from Always Sunny that you can apply to any aspect of life at any given moment. There's a quote. Yeah, it's fantastic. So I can wax poetically about Always Sunny all day, but I won't do that. I'll talk a little bit about some of the things I have watched. I'll go a little quick here because I feel like this is going to be a long one tonight here. Um, So first and foremost, finished The Midnight Club, and I am not at all thrilled to say that it stunk out loud. Yeah, I was not. Uh, I was not. I was not happy. I was not impressed. I, I should say it's my by far my least favorite Mike Flanagan thing that I've watched. Damn. So I don't know if you guys have uh, checked it out at all, or if you're planning on checking it out. Obviously, you know, reserve your own opinion. But I was not a fan. See, I haven't watched any of those Mike Flanagan shows. What was it? Haunting of Hill House and Midnight Mass. Those are the, those two are the best. Yeah, yeah, Bly Manor, Hill House and Midnight Mass were fantastic. Bly Manor was pretty good, and uh, this one I think was just a, a, a different level. It's a different type of story. It's too long. It's too many episodes, and it just didn't do it for me. So, yep. your mileage so may vary. It, yeah, yeah. It just, it just, it just um, the story wasn't as en- en- engrossing as some of his other things, and I feel like he kind of. Uh, kind of went up his own ass a little bit too much in terms of like the emotional horror that he likes to do he because he loves emotionally resonant endings and you know happy stories and uh he he definitely tried a little too hard with this one i think so mm, yeah sorry to report the midnight club is uh is not that great um polar sorry say that again Uh, you can't win them all 
Yeah. You can't win them all. You can't win them all. And I apologize. We're still getting used to the uh, to the to the remote recording thing. So if we talk over each other, we're trying to correct that. So bear with us, dear listeners. Um, complete opposite end of the spectrum uh, is Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities, which is fucking yeah. awesome. Have you guys checked out any of this yet? I watched. I, I yeah, I watched the first first episode so far but i'm gonna watch the rest of it i just kind of and we just finished moving so i've been haven't got a lot of time okay yeah i know you've been busy with moving so i'm four episodes i'm I'm like about halfway through and each episode it's anthology so it's a different story each episode cat finished the whole thing and she uh did not like it as as much as i was because it's uh it's much more up my alley i think lots of uh creatures and lots of lovecraftian cosmic horror which i uh you know if you if you know what i like then that's right up my alley so it's uh pretty pretty good and i would highly recommend checking out cabinet of curiosities so matt definitely keep going there um also pretty good on netflix is the watcher you guys checked out any of that yet andrew i know you haven't matt did you no not yet pretty good pretty good i have uh this one's shorter it's only seven episodes i just finished episode six so i have one to go and, um, you know, obviously this is based on a true story. So the true story is very creepy in and of itself. And uh, this is, you know, kind of hashed out and dramatized for, you know, a streaming series. So there's a lot of liberties liberties that are taken, I should say. But it's still pretty good. I actually, I, I'm, I think it's an entertaining watch. Nice spooky stuff. Cool. Yeah. So uh, to The Watcher, pretty, pretty good. Worth your time. And then... So one of the weirder things I checked out just randomly because I love random paranormal shit is this uh, documentary series on Amazon Prime. I don't watch a lot of Amazon Prime, but usually when I do, it's something that is worthwhile. It's the show called Hellier, which I had never heard of. It was a recommendation from another podcast. Honestly, one of the creepiest paranormal documentary series that I have seen in a long time uh, to the point where I was like watching it you know, <laughs> up taking care of my daughter, uh, feeding her every few hours and, uh, watching it by myself, like with the lights off. And I was fucking scared shitless. I was like, why do I continue? To, why do I continue to do this to myself? So basically the, the, the loose plot, this group of paranormal investigators goes to this town in Kentucky where there's supposedly all sorts of this paranormal phenomenon. So not just, you know, ghosts, but you know, UFO activity, Bigfoot activity, uh, other random cryptid sightings and just all this this you know uh, conflagration of all this shit just kind of descends on this one small town that's kind of like all these these weird coincidences that they come across and it's so creepy it's really strange like if if you don't like paranormal stuff and weird paranormal stuff this probably will not be your cup of tea but I like that kind of stuff so it's really fucking creepy there's two seasons I'm about halfway through the second season it's uh pretty spooky that's called Hellier. H-E-L-L-I-E-R on Amazon Prime. Check it out if you dare. And then uh, last but not least, I uh, checked out the latest movie offering from Neil Marshall, who if you're uh, familiar with that name at all, you may have seen some of his other films, one of which may come up later on tonight, um, The Descent and also Dog Soldiers, which uh, two great horror movies. This is his kind of return to hardcore monster horror. You guys heard of this movie at all? No. What's it called? Uh, so it's called. Uh, oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> Jesus, what, what, did I even say the title of it? No. <laughs> no sorry. I'm I'm it's it's uh it's called it's called the Lair. Oh no, I have not heard of this one. 
All right, so I rented this, and basically the plot is uh, there's a British pilot who gets shot down over Afghanistan, and she stumbles across this uh, old underground Russian base. And there are creatures down in this base that uh, she has to deal with attacking her. So it's a very, you know, it's not the most complicated plot in the world, but this is uh, definitely almost a spiritual sequel to The Descent. Very similar vibes. Even to the point where, like the uh, like the the op- like the text in the opening credits is the same like font as the descent. So this is definitely a monster movie. If you like monster movies, it's worth checking out. Uh, yeah, and that's called The Lair. Um, you can rent it on Amazon Prime right now. I think it's coming to Shutter later on, but I did not want to wait. I wanted to watch this one myself. So check out Neil Marshall's The Lair. Pretty good. You know, the acting isn't great or anything like that. But if you're looking for a fun monster movie, definitely worth checking out. Cool. Was it? Uh, I was going to ask when before you um, were talking about the font for like the if there was any Easter eggs or anything like that. Not a, not nothing huge that I noticed, but it just the very yeah. similar vibes is what I would say. Cool. Yeah, I'll definitely. I dug it for sure. Yeah, check it out. That's coming to Shutter as well. I think so. So it had like the Shutter like logo pop up for it, but it, I I went and I checked the Shutter app and it was not there yet. So it's probably one of those things that has been acquired by Shutter. It's just not available yet. So if I get any more information on that, I will be sure to let people know. But um, I think that's what we got, unless you guys have anything else that we didn't cover yet. In here. All right, sweet. All right, so why don't we get rolling with our topic this evening, which I'm excited for. I think should be a lot of fun. But before we do so, why don't we take a quick 90-second timeout for a word from our sponsors. We'll be right back. It's official. The critics' decision is in. Spooky World is spectacular. Enter the new black hole. If you dare. Or the new horror house of wax. This year, don't miss the real Jason, Bobby Pickett, or Alice Cooper. Phone the 24-hour Spooky World hotline. 508-830-200. That's 508-830-200. Spooky World is just west of Boston. And haunts every night from October 1st till November 1st. If you had the nerve, you'd phone 508-838-0200. It's America's Horror Theme Park, Spooky World. Don't be scared. I'm the super sweet monster with the super sweet new cereal, Count Chocula. Biffle, here's the super sweet new cereal, Frankenberry. But I've got chocolate sweeties for monstrous chocolate flavor. Well, I've got berry-flavored sweeties for monstrous strawberry flavor. Count Chocula. Frankenberry. Hi. Ah! Frankenberry. Count Chocula. Live, it's alive! It's alive! The new face of evil is going to scare you to death. Barrett's Haunted Mansion, it's killing us Then be next door to the Abington Airlines. Barrett's Haunted Mansion, eat, drink, and be scary. Go to bhmansion.com. All right, and we're back. Welcome back, gentlemen. So, we have talked a lot over the last month or two, um, or more specifically, maybe Matt and I have talked a lot, uh, some would say exhaustingly so, over the last month or two, um, about a little show on Shudder called The 101 Scariest Horror Movie Moments, which uh, we were just talking about spiritual sequels, and we were talking about The Lair and The Descent. 
this this show is a spiritual sequel to a little show called uh, the 100 scariest movie moments that was on Bravo back in the early 2000s, late 90s. I forget the exact year that it was on. Um, awesome show, awesome you know countdown and summation of a lot of different horror movies. Very fun watch around Halloween time if you're a fan of horror. This is definitely something that's going to be up your alley. Anyway, I've talked about it a lot. I've written about it. I'm not going to get into a ton of detail here, but safe to say. Uh, this series just ended, and we have a new list on our hands of 101 scariest horror movie moments that came out. So it got us to thinking here, why why wouldn't, or why couldn't, we do a little bit of a list of our own for the three of us here? Now, we're not going to do 101 movie moments, but we're going to do a few of our own each and uh, talk about how these movies impacted us and why they're so important to us. And I would say, Andrew, uh, you were probably uh, you know a convert to this show, but you watched the whole thing. What did you think of this series? Well, the series was awesome. I mean, it's right up there with the Bravo to date. Very entertaining. I mean, it's an hour long. Was it an hour long each episode? Yeah, but it's quick. It's very quick, and they go over so many different, so many different subjects, and you get so many different viewpoints on why these scenes are scary. They find it's very entertaining if you're a horror fan, or if you're just a fan of movies in general. That second part, I think, is accurate, too. So even if you're not necessarily the biggest horror fan, if you just like movies, just hearing people talk about movies, this is a, this is a good show for you. If um, you're looking to kind of expand your horror horizons a little bit, if you know a little bit about horror but not a ton and you want to you know, know about some more movies that you should add to your watch list, watch list, I should say, this is absolutely something for you because there will be enough you know, movies from like the pop, like, you know, that have been in, in the realm of pop culture over the last several years that you'll recognize them. But there's also going to be a lot of deep cuts and foreign stuff on there that you definitely will not have heard of, which is why I know, Matt, we talked about it. This list appealed to you, I think, this time around because it was so much more. Was, the first the first one on Bravo was pretty diverse, but I feel like this one focused a lot more on foreign horror, a lot of French horror, a lot of Japanese horror, Korean horror, Chinese. So there's a lot of different stuff in there. Yeah, there's there's a lot of um, there's there's a handful of movies I've never even heard of um, throughout the whole thing too, and I, I I think of myself as someone who watches a good amount of foreign horror movies. Um, I still have to check out Pulse, which was only on the first episode. I just haven't gotten around to it. I will. I want to. It looks good. Um, and then I've only seen like I haven't seen it all the way through. Like in one, one sitting, is a tale of two sisters. I've seen like a chunk. You're a chunk there and like a little bit of it, like, you know what I mean? But um, to what you were saying is like, even just like not even horror fans will enjoy this. This is something that even Sue, I've talked about not liking horror movies at all. Um, she will like watch this with, um, along with like even the Bravo one and the, um, In Search of Darkness is, has a similar vibe. Just because it's like anytime you can have people, like, so she and like she habit of like if I do get her to watch a scary movie, she'll read ahead and spoil it. So this kind of like it kind of takes a piss out of the movie because you're getting all the like the real, like juicy parts of it. So I think she has an easier time watching that because she knows what's happening and she knows something's gonna happen. But and but I do think she like doesn't mind. Uh, she it, it's entertaining for her to kind of get into. It, it, they're they're such good series. There's so many good like smart, um, knowledgeable people in terms of film and critique and just the the broad span of where these movies are coming from. So I, I love these kind of thing, my favorite. Me too. And I, I, I even thought it was interesting how they incorporated not only movies, but there was like some, and you call this cheating if you would, but I, I thought it was pretty cool. They included some TV shows in there as well. 
Yep. Like, um, I had never heard of this one, but I actually now I want to watch it. And apparently it's on Tubi. It's called Threads. It's a British TV show um, about uh, what would happen if nuclear war destroyed England. And it looked really fucking scary. And I remember Ed- Edgar Wright was talking about it, you know, pretty, uh, pretty highly. So that kind of piqued my attention. But I mean, it's 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 a lot of different stuff. But I mean, if you look at like some of the if you go to Shutter's Twitter page right now, they have like photos, like like actual checklists of every episode or every movie that was in every single episode. And you can like, you know, mark it off as seen or need to see or too scared to see. But I mean, like you have a lot of new stuff mixed in with a lot of foreign stuff. Like I'm just looking at one random episode here. So you have like Jordan Peele's us mixed in with like the witch mixed in with zombie. Matt, you were just talking about that movie an Italian horror movie, the changeling the phantom of the opera from 1925. Then like Dr. Sleep, Candyman, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, Evil Dead. So it's a lot of variety. And no matter what type of horror fan you are, you're going to find something in there that you'll probably enjoy people talking about, which is pretty cool. So I loved it. I thought it was one of the coolest horror events to come out this year. Um, I thought it was a really cool list, a satisfying list, especially when you see what the top 10 were. Uh, the top 10, that's some pretty heavy yeah, hitters in there. I, I like it. Yeah, it was good. It was good. Yeah. So anyway, I guess that's a long way of me saying that I really wanted to try and, and Matt, this was your idea. I'll give you all the credit that we wanted to come up with a way of to, to, uh, to replicate this idea and turn it into our own. So with that being said, I think we're just going to do, you know, what we usually do here. We're just going to go one by one, pick a movie, uh, talk about it. And I, I, you know, I'm not looking for any sort of limit here. So if there's a particular moment in that movie that sticks out to you, that's fine. Or if this movie just is, creeped you out to the point where it impacted you i'm fine with that too and then we can all chime in after the fact so pretty much what they do in both the shows and i think this would be a lot of fun all right so let's see here i just did uh pulled up a, a random list thing which and these things always fucking hate me always screw me over screw me again costanza all right so andrew you're going first to talk about your uh your favorite uh your your first so this is horror style. movie moment fo- followed by matt and then me and so snake. we can do uh we can, you know, why don't we mix it up a little bit? Why don't we just do one, two, three, one, two, three? So, you know, Andrew, Matt, me, and then back to you, Andrew, Matt, me. You want to do that? Cool, that's fine with me. All right. Cool. So, all right. Cool. All right. So, go for it, Andrew. This feels like a cop out. <laughs> it has to be number one. I'm going to go with uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The uh, There's nothing more iconic than that scene when he bludgeons right in the head mm-hmm. and then just picks up his limp body that's writhing on the floor fires it in and slams there's not a scarier like oh like that just like if that that, this shakes you to your core like it's literally just the sound imagery of it it's and it's yeah like you can't first time you see leatherface it's first time you see him and it's just horrifying to like like there's very few things that scare me to my core that scares me like you don't even have a chance done by the way that's shot where it you get that like head to toe or like toe to head like profile where this the the camera kind of like moves up and then you see his face and then he just kind of like waves the hammer down and cracks it in the head it's, it's like you're seeing what he that guy is you're just oh, like looking like me, yeah head to, like looking from the bottom of the top and you're like oh fuck <laughs> yeah you know he's a big dude to begin with but that makes him feel even bigger than yeah he, is. he just takes up that entire doorway 
I have not to. It's just it's just so grainy and it seems so it's like did that guy really just get like sometimes i watch them did he really hit him (laughs) yeah i had this movie on here as well for me it's kind of like the dinner scene with just how chaotic it goes but dude like the end of this movie with him waving the chainsaw around and like dancing after sally gets away there i don't know if it's subconscious thing or what but i think that this is my favorite movie of all time but i think that is one of the scariest I've ever seen. It's just this psychopath waving this chainsaw around, and then it just fucking ends. That's he's out there, like, and uh, it's just such a brilliant ending movie. But it is so fucking terrifying. Like in the middle of the street, not a killed. Like just like Jesus, broad daylight. It's fucking insane. It is absolutely wild. And I mean, t- to have been a fly on the wall in like a movie theater in uh, what what year did this come out? Seventy four, right? Yeah. Seeing that first shot of Leatherface killing that guy with the hammer and then closing that door, I would have loved to have seen the, rea- the audience reaction there. It's just, it's, you know, there's a reason it's so iconic and he's become such an iconic character. And I, I think probably the scariest of the major slasher villains because he, you know, he's, I feel like a lot of, uh, like m- m- most of the Leatherface stuff that you see him in, he is just a, a relentless force, a lot like Michael Myers, but I feel like. I don't know. There's just something different about it. Maybe it's maybe it's the chainsaw to me that makes it a little bit scarier. But it's it's so scary. Yeah, and uh, you know, spoiler alert for the TV show. But uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre was number one on the uh, 101 scariest horror movie moments. So there you go, Andrew. Way to just cherry pick off the top of their list from Shutter there. Huh? <laughs> well, Low I mean, hanging fruit. I have the number one pick, yeah, right? I'm not going to pick my outliers because I know no one's going to take those. Right. All right. Fair enough. Well, hey, I can't I can't begrudge you for taking, uh, you know, for going Texas Chainsaw Massacre. One, there's a reason that it's, uh, you know, become so iconic and so spooky. And there's a reason it was number one for Shudder and it's number one for Andrew. So Texas yeah, so Chainsaw Mike, Massacre. Before we continue, because I did bring this up to Matt before we started, just because you picked the same movie, there could be a scene that you find scarier in said movie and that would be allowed correct like say you were to pick a movie but you pick a different scene i could have a different scary isn't correct yeah i mean that was why i like brought up what well, i you, was like you, yeah you said kind of would talk about it all at once use that as a pick, yeah. Though, right? but, yeah yeah I, I mean i wouldn't necessarily think that it would be wise to pick the same movie twice i would just say if, if it comes up talk about whatever scenes in whatever movie you think uh you know make the most sense yeah that's for fair. you i don't think it's a competition you know? I like to have this kind of a general community. <laughs> okay. Team, team up. Yeah. All right. So Texas Chainsaw Massacre off the board oh, yeah. for Andrew. Matt, you're up, buddy. All right. Um, I'm going to go with, um, and this is kind of like, um, I'm going to say both versions of the movie because this scene is pretty much exactly the same in the original and the remake. But I'm going to go with the RV attack and the Hills Have Eyes. This is like a super, super relentless scene. Um, the Hills Have Eyes basically being a movie about a family that's going on a road trip. They get sidetracked and kind of, uh, I think they're in the Arizona desert um, or somewhere down in like near the, the uh, southwest United States. And um, they basically get uh, attacked by mutant cannibals that are living in these uh, hills in these deserts. And um when I, I had seen the remake before I saw the original one, and I saw when it came out in 2006, um, which I had to have been probably like 12 or 18, but uh, 
uh, it was so brutal. Um, that initial scene where they attack the um, the RV. There's just so much going on. They bring the dad. One of the daughters gets raped. Another daughter gets shot. Another the mom gets shot. It's unrelenting. And so uh, I, um, when I even watched the original one, being from 1977, I couldn't believe that they went that far back then as well. So this is this had to have been on my list for sure. Um, just it's just so so brutal and shocking and violent and out of control. That's that's Wes Craven, especially in his days. He he didn't fucking hold back. Uh, what do you guys think? I mean, great pick. I mean, I, I feel like it, it's one of those movies that uh, is underrated a bit. Uh, like, did did, did yeah. this even make the Shutter list? I don't think Hills has Hills Have Eyes did. I don't. I don't think I don't so. Think so. It's kind of wild to me. Remake. I think that's the hands down the best remake. And that scene alone, like you were saying, there was awful, comfortable, and it's it's just so intense. You're like, holy shit! And it's not a long scene. It's like maybe eight minutes, if that. Yeah. Like, and it feels like you just watched like a forty minute fucking act. So it's it's wild. Yeah, that scene in itself could just make you be like, yep, I don't need to watch any. Yeah, <laughs> I was exhausted after seeing it for the first time. I was like. <laughs> I love that movie. We need have we ever dedicated a full episode? We haven't. No, we haven't. Not yet, at least. I just got my four copy of the original. It's sick. <laughs> so, Andrew, you're willing to put the remake of the Hills Have, have Hills Have Eyes, excuse me, uh, up there over the Evil Dead remake, over the Thing, over the Fly, <laughs> cornered, over the Thing remake. That no, the, well, the thing, the thing, the Carpenter, re- oh, the Carpenter not, not, thing not is a remake. The, not the other remake. Oh no, 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 <laughs> not not that one, not that one. I mean, that's tough. I'd have to really, uh, but I, I personally, I think the Hills Have Eyes remake. That movie, I like it. Pro, I mean, but I like the. I don't consider the thing a remake, even though it is a. Remake. I consider the one after two thousand. Okay. Technically, I All guess. Right. Fair, 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 fair. All right. Uh, any other thoughts on Hills Have Eyes before we go to me here for one? Brutal movie. Both of them. Yeah. Um, yeah brutal's, brutal's a good word for it. Brutal's a good word. Uh, absolutely brutal. All right. All right. I mean, I, I'm trying to decide if, uh, how mainstream I want to go here. I mean, I feel I like I have a lot of stuff. I mean, I... I mean, I guess if if it's if I if I don't take this here, it's probably not gonna. It's, whatever, I'm just gonna. I, I feel like I, I, uh, I I don't I don't go with the mainstream stuff as much as I usually want to. So I'm gonna go Alien here. Uh, Ridley Scott's cool. Alien, 1978, and um, I just think that purely viscerally, this is the scariest movie that I've ever seen, even still to this date. Um, it, it it's just the title is scary, Alien something that is alien it's just so simplistic and so minimalist and so spooky and it's just like the way that they portray the future in this movie just like you know the blue cro- the blue collar working crew on like you know the ship and obviously like the lore was expanded in further sequels but i feel like it was just such a bleak dystopian look at the future and then you know you add into that like the paranoia about technology with the androids oh and then you add the greatest movie monster ever put to film on top of it with the greatest entrance for a movie monster in the history of film ever i mean the chestburster scene has been talked about to death it's been talked about a million times as a reason for that um you know obviously it's pretty famously known that the actors didn't know really what was going on in the scene that's what and the looks of shock on their faces is, is genuine they had no idea what was what was coming their way, and you can kind of see that. It's a terrifying scene. 
It's a it, one of the biggest gross-out body horror scenes ever. But I even think like you know some of the other more like the the the, the more underrated scenes. If you could even call a scene in Alien underrated, like the scene with Dallas in the air ducts with the the motion tracker and the flamethrower. And then he's talking to Ripley on the headset and all of a sudden he turns around and the aliens right there, the xenomorphs right there. Horrifying. You get a, you get like, that's like the full, the first full look at the or first look at the full grown, you know, creature. Unbelievable. Unbelievably scary. Uh, the so creature. Com- oh my God. It moves so fast. And then, you know, obviously you get the part with, you know, uh, Jesus, I forget his name, but uh, the, the, the alien coming down with, from the chains, from the ceiling, with like the leaking water and uh, taking uh, oh, fuck, what's his name? What's that actor's name? It's gonna drive me insane. John, not John Hurt. Uh, oh, it's gonna drive me nuts. You know the scene I'm talking about, though. Yeah, he took him for the cap. Yes, the guy with the baseball cap. Uh, oh my god. Uh, let me see. Hold on. It's gonna piss me off. He's looking for the cat. Yes, he's looking for Jonesy because I know the cat's yeah. name. Uh, Harry Dean Stanton, Mike, you fucking moron. What an idiot. But yeah, I feel like I talk about Alien all day. Alien rocks. Alien's great. And it's another movie, just like Hills Have Eyes, that we haven't dedicated a full episode to yet, which is fucking wild to me. I feel like I've wanted to do it on Alien Day a couple times, and it just has not worked out recording-wise. And here we are talking about it at length on America's Hometown Horror Podcast's Scariest Horror Movie Moments. So, gentlemen, thoughts on Alien? I'll, I'll pass it to whoever wants to go first. The I mean, face hugger for me, gross. It's it always so gross. Every, every time he like looks into the, that egg, and you just hear it like fucking jump out. Like, uh, I fucking stresses. And it, it's um, you know, obviously, it's a very uncomfortable movie to watch because like the 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 face hugger and and the alien is a uh, you know very much like a metaphor for for rape right it's designed to make you uncomfortable and feel that same i feel like that does a very good job of making you feel icky and gross and just really creeped out and in that sense so movies always scared the shit out of me probably always will that's probably one of the scary top three yeah i just feel like it's it's very mainstream obviously this is you know ranked high on shutters list as well um as well as bravos but i feel like i would not be uh true to myself if I didn't talk about Alien here, so I had to. So, Alien, that's what I got. Good pick. Thank you. Bravo. Bravo. That means we're back to uh, we're back to Andrew. All right, I am going to go with 1975 Jaws. To but I have a different scene talked about. I think this scene is far scarier than any movie. Uh, it's the scene where the orca is sinking. Quint's at the back of the boat, and Jaws is just wreaking havoc, and he's coming up. <laughs> And Quint sliding and doing everything he can, and he just he's kicking and screaming, and the screaming from Quint is so perfectly—it's just—it's real. It's so real. It sounds perfect. It's as if you were being eaten by a shark. Then he gets bitten, and the blood is just gurgling out of his mouth, and that is one of the yeah. most horrifying scenes in any movie. Strictly, I think that's the most horrifying scene in this movie because. Yeah, there's that girl at the beginning, skinny dipping, and she gets eaten by the shark. She doesn't see it coming. She doesn't know it's happening. He knows it's happening. He's watching it happen, and you know you're about to get mauled by a fucking great white who's going to rip you in half and bite the life. Oh, that scene always get, and the, when the blood's just pouring out of his mouth, it's so fake, but it's still so. It's not really, it's really that fake. Enough. It's pretty good. <laughs> Tough to beat that. Tough to beat that. I mean, it's, um, you know, and you, you said it there for me with uh, Robert Shaw's screams. 
sounds so real, sounds so painful. Like you can feel like his just, I don't even know what the word is. Like just slowly sliding down. Not only is the fucking boat going down and you're fucked either way, but like you're slowly sliding down into the mouth of this essentially fucking megalodon shark. Yeah. <laughs> just eat you in two bites. Horrifying. Just absolutely it's terrifying. It's if they like took his whiskey from him, like you can't drink God. <laughs> right? Oh. Or like you have to sit next to Richard Dreyfus on a plane to Hawaii for the next twelve hours. <laughs> have fun. That's what that's what the that's where those screams came from right there. Oh, and then he, well so uh, and go ahead, Matt. I was to say with the to Andrew's point of coming out of the mouth. I saw that movie when I was pretty young. That was one that like my dad had let me watch because it was rated PG, much to my mom's uh, disagreement. But uh, when it happens where he gets eaten and the blood comes out of his mouth, that was the first time I had seen anything like that. So I was like, oh, my, like, what is, like, like how does that even happen? And my dad was like, yeah, I mean, it crushed. I go somewhere. <laughs> yeah, like a fucking, wild, like a, like a fucking tube of toothpaste. Yeah, I think it was rated R. And then when they developed the PG ring, I, that's what I've heard. I'm not positive. Was that? Uh, so I, I think so. Spiel, I know Spielberg was instrumental in creating the PG 13 rating because a lot of his movies, mainly Jaws, uh, Temple of Doom, and Poltergeist, all pushed those boundaries. Because Poltergeist was rated PG also. Um, yeah. So basically, he went to the MPAA and said, hey, look, you know, I'm going to keep making these movies and they're going to keep making a shitload of money, but you might want to warn some of these families a little bit better. So why don't we come up with a new rating system? So usually when Steven Spielberg speaks, people tend to listen. So, yeah. So I think Jaws, along with Poltergeist and Temple of Doom, if I remember correctly, were among the films that were the most instrumental in the creation of the PG-13 rating system. I think Temple of Doom might so, have been the first one. Maybe it was. Temple of Doom, but I mean, yeah, the, the, the heart rip scene in Temple of Doom, that's not for kids. <laughs> Fuck it away. Get out of here with that shit. It was Red but, Dawn. Um, Red Dawn. Okay. All right. So uh, just to piggyback on Jaws here, obviously one of my favorite movies of all time. I couldn't pick this and uh, this and Alien, so I had to pick one or the other because otherwise I feel like that's just too much of, a, too much of an easy thing for me. Um, the part that always got me the whole movie always got me this. And obviously this, this movie might even be more terrifying to me than alien because it's more real. Like I'm not going to outer space anytime soon. Um, but I am going in the ocean, you know, pretty frequently a few times a summer. I've had a, I've had a fear of sharks my entire life. And the reason for that is jaws. But the one part that always stuck out to me was when Hooper is diving down into the hull of Ben Gardner's boat and uh, Ben Gardner himself pops out to say hello with his eyeball dangling from a tendon. That fucking that f- I, I like you, Matt. Saw this movie at way too young an age, thanks to my dad, because it's one of my dad's favorite movies as well. And uh, I was never the same since. So yeah, thanks, Dad. Good scene. Another, another low-key, <laughs> horrifying part of this movie that's not really meant. I mean, it's scary, but it's when Quint's talking to them and they're all drinking and. He's telling him about his time on the USS Indianapolis and driving that whole scene with the tiger sharks. That's another great scene. I mean, the little kid on the the float. There was a fucking that scene. Another brutal one to be way more fucked up. Like you were supposed to see the there's there's images of the 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 shoot that they. um, I can send it to him. I'm sure we can. We might be able to like post that and with the um, when we drop this episode, but. The, the shark was supposed to come out of the water, and the shark, and that that image is insane. 
It's in black white. It looks entirely real, and it's horrifying. Like I was like, damn, dude. Like that. I'll never go in the ocean because of that image, let alone the fucking movie itself. So, but the scene with the, the little boy at the end there gets the uh, or whatever his name is gets fucking killed. Um, that's that's fucking. Yeah, that would have been nice. Yeah, it was. Well, they were like, it has to be. That. <laughs> I'm not gonna go down there and open that thing up and see that little Kittner boy spill out all over the dock. Yeah, it's just like the most insensitive fucking guy in the world. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus Christ, Mayor Vaughn, Mayor Vaughn. Oh yeah, I could, I could, I could talk about Jaws all fucking day. God, I love that movie yeah. so much. It's a good one. A great pick, Andrew. A great pick. So, um, that's pretty much what I have on Jaws. Without taking an hour to get to it all, Matt. Anything else? Yeah. Nope, that's all I got for Jaws too. Okay, the floor is yours for your second pick. Oh boy. So, um. I'm going to have to spoil this movie for you guys, uh, but I'm going to do it anyway because this this is a movie I watched here and I am still reading from it. Um, I'm going with uh, Speak No Evil, and it's the scene of realization where the the dad... Uh, so let me do a quick synopsis. It's two families that meet uh, on, a, on a trip to Italy. And uh, it's a Dutch family and a Danish family. And the Dutch family invites the Danish family back to their house after the vacation. Um, Dutch has a little boy. Danish has a little girl. They go. It gets increasingly uncomfortable. There seems to be a ma- like just a mashing of like cultural difference in terms of politeness and boundaries and this and the other thing. And it just the, the, the tension is just constantly escalating, which is done very well very uncomfortable to the point that it's almost funny. It's almost comedy for the first 80% of the movie. But then you realize, spoiler alert, that the little boy that they have, whose tongue is not in his head, um, he uh, is dead, uh, drowned. And um, they he the, the Danish dad finds him and realizes in this shed that there's all these pictures of the, this couple with all these different children where they're standing with the other couple who has the child first, and then in the next picture, they have that child, and so on and so forth, and that trend seems to continue for quite a long time. Um, and so he's trying to get away, they're getting so close, and they end up getting trapped and having someone come to take their daughter away, and they cut her tongue out with scissors, and he takes her away, and they kill the parents with stones while they're naked in a ditch. Jesus. And it is so fucking brutal it happens so fast you see everything that happens with the little girl getting uh her tongue cut and like the sound i'll never get that sound out of my head and uh that it is it, top three one of the most just gut punch shocking movie scenes i've seen my in a movie that i question if i'll ever put myself through watching again um so fucking over the top but at the same time it was so incredibly well done all the performances are Oscar worthy, stellar, phenomenal, great writing, but man, that ending's just fucking horrific. Um, that's going to be my <laughs> second pick. Speak no evil. Wow, I really need to watch that movie. Yeah, yeah, Jesus Christ. I mean, I, I, I obviously. So I, yeah, neither of us had seen that yet. So, uh, hey, it's uh, now. Now we know the ending. That's so fucked up. But uh, well, the God thing is, damn. Like, Mike, you now having a daughter, I, I, I couldn't in good conscience recommend that movie to you without you knowing yeah. that that's what you would be getting into. 
because it I'll does probably, definitely affect you. I'll probably take a little bit of time before I watch that one. I, I would, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll heed that recommendation from you strongly. So I appreciate the heads up. Definitely. But yeah, that's uh, that, that one's for sure right now, right? So I always see that thing pop up, I think. It is. All right. Speak no evil. Now that title makes a whole lot more sense. <laughs> yeah. God damn. How, cle- how clever. It is a great movie. That's the juxtaposition of it. Is it's like it's very well done, but it's just that ending is it's hard. It's it's you get bullied by that movie. <laughs> that sounds like a good way of putting it. Sounds like a good way of putting it. All right. So uh, that means we're to me, right? Yep. Okay. Um, I'm also going to go with a uh, a recent selection, a movie that I saw recently for the first time, and uh, this is one that I. Um, had heard of before a, a, a bunch of times as a recommendation, and I had just never pulled the trigger on it. That movie's Lake Mungo. Um, nice. So you guys have both now seen this, correct? I have. A- I Andrew, have you have not. But I've already had oh. it spoiled by the 101 scariest. Okay, okay, okay. So you already had it spoiled for you. I was going to say, God, do I really want to spoil this movie for you too? Oh, in addition to that movie, so, yeah. So let, yeah, let, Lake Mungo fucked me up, man. It really did. I know I talked about it a couple weeks ago when we had um, we had Justin on. And I honestly think this is one of the scariest movies that I had seen in a long time. Um, certain times for myself, there are just I, I just like to put myself in the element to be scared shitless and just uh, you know experience that feeling. And this is what I did when I watched this movie. And um, everything about it, from the way that it is shot, the way that it's edited, uh, it's almost like a like a dream. It's like a, it's like a dream, but it's like a found footage style type of filmmaking. It's almost like a David Lynchian quality to it. I would say. Um, but so I would say the whole movie, the whole movie is creepy, but the one particular part that stood out to me is the part that they mention in, you know, the, in the, in the shutter show where basically, you know, it's, it's kind of a mystery for most of the movie as to what happened with this, uh, this family's daughter. And they come to find out that her cell phone has been discovered out in the middle of the Australian outback in the desert. And, uh, there's, there's a video on there. Video is essentially taking uh, taken at night on this girl's phone, and there is a jump scare where essentially this girl meets a dead-looking doppelganger of herself, and I nearly shat myself uh, as a 35-year-old man when I saw that at my house, watching it for the first time. I'm like getting like chills on the back of my neck just thinking about it right now. I was. We were talking about It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia earlier. I had to put on some Always Sunny after that movie. That movie really got me good. And I am so happy that I watched it. It is so fucking scary. Uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I liked the way they set up that scare, too, because it's like it was like pieced together in a certain way. It kind of goes further in and further in, but it keeps cutting to be like the way because it, it was like a documentary style thing. And you have people talking and then you finally get that final like zoom up that you're like oh, fuck, fuck. i didn't think we were going that far like <laughs> yeah yeah didn't think we were going there yeah yeah it's a really like it's twisty and turny and then you think like for a little while you're like is there actually anything supernatural like really even going on here because you know you have the the whole aspect of the brother potentially making things up so it's like what the fuck is happening and then they go there yeah. and you're like whoa like okay yeah, it's uh, it'll it'll make you feel a little nervous to walk around your house by yourself at night without looking over your shoulder. That's for sure. <laughs> it's good. Like, what is it? It wasn't very long. It was like 
88 minutes, I think, right? It's like super yeah. short. Yeah, it was, I think it was under an hour and a half. So you can want, you can bang this out real quick, and it's it's well worth your time. And I feel like you... Wow. Oh, yeah, you, you constantly see this making lists of, like, scariest movies, and there's a good reason for that. So, yeah, I, I can't say enough about Lake Mungo. Uh, recent addition to my pantheon of scariest movie moments but uh well well worth it and andrew i'm watch sorry it was dark. spoiled for you yeah definitely watch it in the dark definitely watch well, it in the I'm dark sure i'll still enjoy it though. yeah it's good you gotta check it out context check is it out. key context is key andrew i think it'll make it better it'll be worth watching like if, just to understand the story i've, I've watched plenty of movies that i've had the ending spoiled and i it's still the build up and there's so much more to it than just that one yeah, I'm not. Didn't ruin my day. All right. Anything else on Lake Mungo, guys, or uh, should we go back to Andrew for another one? That's all I got. All right. You're up, Andy. All right. I'm not going the cupcake cupcake route. I could because <laughs> it's still sitting there, but we'll see if it's there. I'm gonna go with uh, 2002, The Mothman Prophecies. You guys ever seen? Oh, that? I fucking yeah. love that movie. I have not seen this movie in a long, long, long time. First off, extremely underrated. Richard Gere gives a phenomenal tour de force performance in this movie. <laughs> tour de force, but love it. There's a I know exactly. Scene. I know exactly the scene you're going to say too. Right, go ahead. In this movie, where he is in a hotel room and the phone rings, and it is essentially the Mothman or Cole or whatever the guy's fucking name is, and he's talking to him, and just the the whole setup of this scene. The uncomfortableness about it, the voice on the telephone, and the fact that he knows everything about his past, what he's doing, what line of the book he's reading is just so unnerving and so creepy that it literally, if you, this is a movie you watch in the dark and it shens, sends shivers down your spine because it's just so fun. That scene, ugh, that movie's so good. I love that movie. <laughs> Yeah, based on true events, too. Uh, another one's based on true well, events, allegedly. allegedly. Well, so oh. the Mothman stuff allegedly oh. happened, according yeah. to... I actually, I, So I have that book, and that book is very, very scary. The movie's very scary as well. But the book, uh, so the, the character that Richard Gere plays, is, the guy's name is John Keel. He was actually a real author, and he claims that all these events happened to him in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, that led to the book. And ultimately all of those events culminated in the collapse of the silver bridge. And that, all, that, that actually, happened. that happened, that happened. Um, but yeah, so it was basically it, it's, you know, never, obviously you never find out what the Mothman actually is or if it's real, but, you know, purported to be this, uh, you know, the symbol of impending doom that was leering over this town leading up to that collapse where I, I forget exactly how many people were killed, but it was a lot. There was a lot. Um, but yeah, so it's actually, so it's funny you brought this one up, Andrew, because that show Hellier I was talking about on Amazon Prime is tied into the Mothman case and Indrid Cold does come up in that show. And that is why I happened to find that show so fucking creepy is because the Mothman story is so fucking creepy and it's always creeped me out. Was that the scene you were talking about? That's the scene I was talking about. Yeah, yeah. that scene so funny. Yeah, oh. yeah. Yeah, what's yeah. in what's in my hand? Chapstick. Yeah, the the reading of the lines on the book, creepy as fuck too. And the fact that you don't actually see, you yeah, don't even never really see the monster. You know, it's, it's that makes yeah. it that much scarier. And Laura Linney's phenomenal. I forgot this is what she I have to that. rewatch. Hmm? I've not seen definitely this in a while. definitely worth yeah, your time. Should. Worth your time. Yeah, I remember my parents in this movie when it came out when I was a kid. I remember them like renting it at Blockbuster. I think that's probably why I liked it. I'm pretty sure my dad loved this movie, and then I was like, all right, I'll give it because it's not like your run of the mill like 
horror movie. It's it's more like a psychological thriller with horror elements. It's like a, yeah, well it's like a David Fincher kind of movie. Yeah. Which is which is interesting interesting for a movie called The Mothman Prophecies, but it is not what you're expecting, which is good. I think in a in a good way. Yeah, it's a highly underrated movie. Wow, great pick. Right. Wasn't expecting that. Nice job. Off the ball. All right. So we're to you, Matt. Okay, let's see. Um, I'm going to go. So I'm going to take one that this is when I was younger. Um, and this is a scene that really did a number on me. And this Cabin Fever by Eli Roth. Um, and this nice. was when the hermit. So quick rundown. Group of college kids go to Cabin for spring break. Uh, they end up encountering a uh, like kind of hermit, I guess, is what they call him, um, in these woods. Who there's some sort of infection going on with their like, they're just kind of in their water supply. They have a very, very fast, and contagious, flesh-eating bacteria that kind of rots you inside out. Um, very splattery movie, gory. So this dude kind of imposes on their party. He looks like shit. He's all fucked up, and. Um, they kind of like shoo him away and shooing him away quickly turns into like lighting the dude on fire and like beating the shit out of him and killing him. But he, he like pukes blood on the car and like, he's like fucking falling apart. Like it is fucking brutal. And uh, I just remember being a really intense scene of just like, this kind of touches into like, like body horror. And that's something I've always been really affected by. And the idea of being sick and not wanting to get sick and like he d- is turning on, basically, it's you know, it's your own body is killing. And uh, it, it was a really fucking scary movie when I first saw it. I, I watch it now because it's a great gore fest of a movie. It's funny as shit, also. Uh, it's a little dated, definitely some stuff in it that uh, doesn't fucking fly today. But uh, aside from that, there are some other funny parts that are fucking over the top. But, um, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run with Cabin Fever. With uh, There's a few other parts of this movie that are really fucked up, too. Um, but that that was one that really always kind of stuck with me. So I actually think this might be my favorite Eli Roth movie. Um, yeah. Obviously, you know, Hostel gets a lot of pub. But I think Cabin Fever is, is a little bit more entertaining in my book. Um, the torture porn genre just has never been my thing, 100%. Hostel's a good movie, but I, I just I think Cabin Fever hits a little bit harder for me. Um, but the scene I'm sure you probably were, were thinking of there too, Matt, like an additional scene is the leg shaving scene in Cabin Fever. Oh, oh boy. I mean, that and uh, Hunter, or, or what's his fucking name? Ryder Strong. Uh, what if the kid from Boy Meets World is his name, Hunter? Yeah, um, yeah. 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 Uh, Ryder, Ryder Strong. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when he fucking beats his crush to death with a shovel. Cause she yeah, that's fucked up too. Disease, her face falls off. Yeah. Yeah, that's okay. it's it's definitely uh, this is a very gooey, icky movie for sure. But uh, yeah, I, I I like this movie quite a bit. It's an underrated movie. It is. It's it's good. It's no love. Yeah, also, I mean, it's, uh, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say, yeah, like it's it goes under the radar, but it's like definitely like most most good season horror fans are like, oh yeah, Cabin Fever fucking rocks. And there's All been right. a bunch more since that one too, right? Five other Cabin Fever. There's some sequel yeah. and a remake. Yeah, I don't know if there's been that many, but no, the, there was there was definitely a remake. Didn't you say you liked the remake? It's okay. I don't even think I've seen it, which I, I, I just thought it was interesting that, that Eli Roth remade his own movie when Cabin Fever came out in twenty two. It doesn't even it's it just barely has been twenty years since the movie has come out and it's being remade. 
it was like a 14 year difference, I think, or something. Like yeah. That. Maybe and I think, I think he was like pretty heavily involved in the, in the production of, of that remake. If I, if I remember correctly, that's the yeah. same thing with funny, funny games. Isn't that a remake? But yeah, Michael Haneke did a, an American version. Okay. Shot for shot. Yeah. Um, also an underrated scene in cabin fever is the end when, uh, when, when Ryder Strong's characters at the hospital and there's that, the, uh, the, the bunny costume that always fucking creeped me out too. Is that what that I'm thinking? Of? Am I thinking? Yeah, that was definitely no, weird. Like, what that was a what the fuck is the this? Yeah, yeah. Like, what is what is going on here? Also, people and people. I'm just saying. What? Ride her strong. <laughs> like, I barely knew her. Like, it's a hell of a it's a hell of a nom de plume. Yeah, right. All right. Cabin fever. I like it. I am. Uh, I am liking this list so far, guys. We are. Uh, we're do- we're doing pretty good here. We're doing pretty good. All right. So. All right. Uh, anything else on Cabin Fever before I pick another one here? It's all you. All right. I don't mean to rush us along. I got about 10 minutes before I have to drop. So I'll, I'll go relatively quickly here for this one, and then we can each fire off one more and then sign off. But this one, I feel like, again, I, I um, if you know me, you know my level of obsession with all things David Fincher. And to be honest with you, it was tough for me to not pick either or a scene from Seven. Uh, so. I ended up going with seven. And for me, the one particular, I mean, the whole movie's fantastic. It's an absolute masterpiece. I think it's his best movie. Um, you know, other, other people will, will talk about the social network or some of his other more popular films, but seven, I think is, is the movie that kind of set him apart for me. And it's just such an incredible film. It's so tense. It is, it's one of the best psychological thrillers ever made. It's, it's absolutely a horror movie. I don't want to hear that shit. Get out of my face. It's scary. Um, all time villain. All time ending the each one of the murder scenes. This movie shows you almost no violence, but is so disturbing that it's just it's absolutely wild that he was able to pull this off. But the kill, there's two kills, really. But obviously, everybody, um, everybody knows about the sloth jump scare kill. Obviously, uh, the, the, the jump scare with the sloth victim. He's not even dead. So obviously that's very scary. And the makeup on the guy is incredible and it's just absolutely wild. But the one that affected me more because it's so disturbing and it's an absolute masterclass on how to scare somebody and, and make you feel uncomfortable and just gross by showing one image. And that is the lust kill Yeah, with the prostitute that uh, they, so basically mills and Somerset Bradley, uh, uh, Brad Pitt and, and Morgan Freeman come up on this, uh, whorehouse in this hellish version of New York City or whatever city it's supposed to be. I'm pretty sure it's New York. You have this screaming man just saying, get a get this thing off me, get this thing off me. Cut to an interrogation room. Two people being interrogated. One of which is the guy, the scumbag that owns this building. The other one is this guy. And Morgan Freeman just slaps down a, fo- a Polaroid photo on the desk of a uh, uh, strap-on dildo with a razor blade edge sword edge it's like a hunting knife yeah it's like a hunting knife and it's just you um fincher just lets your imagination run wild by itself that combined so the guy the uh the guy that was forced to do it his name is leland orser i read this so i guess apparently he practiced breathing techniques and like put himself in a freezer to get himself where he was so freaked out and hyperventilating to that point where he would sound that fucked up it's so terrifying. It's chilling. It's yeah. absolutely, and it's, I mean, pick a scene from seven, but I, I think out of all of the murder scenes and the aftermath of all of those scenes, 
that one really, really got to me. Yeah, that that I agree is the serious part of the whole movie. Um, because you're left to kind of think of what this fucking guy had to do to see how much he, like you're like this guy's gonna this place and he's gonna fucking go kill himself. Yeah, like you're like you know what I mean. Like this guy is so fucking rattled by, and it's like his performance is. It's I mean it's arguably the, one of the best parts of the movie because yeah. he sells it so good. Like just like I'm like that he like did that whole like hyper or the freezing himself and the hyperventilating thing. But oh man, dude, just even like. Like watching it now, that's like there's times that if I'm like not really like the best mood, I'm like, do I just fucking fast forward this part? Like, just because right. I hate hearing him yell, get this thing off and get it off. Like, yeah. it's just like, dude, like, what kind of sick fuck? Like, it's just like, oh my god, dude, it's so fucking. It it really is. It really is. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, it's just gross. Guy with the sweaty curly hair. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, he actually. Um. So did you know? He, he's been in a lot of stuff and it's actually a really sad story, obviously all around, but he is the guy that pulled the trigger on the prop gun that killed, um, Brandon Lee and the crow. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I don't think he's, he's dead now. I don't think he ever really recovered from that. Cause that's obviously a really fucked up story and it wasn't his fault, but, uh, yeah, just tragic, tragic stuff. He was in the Avos, uh, countdown too that's right he was i didn't know he was dead yeah but yeah seven i feel like i i you know i had to pick seven i had to talk about a finch film in some way shape or form are you picking zodiac i thought about it yeah zodiac i mean the base stop me if anyone is going to talk about zodiac but i mean the basement scene in zodiac obviously that you know that was uh in in the the murder scene with the two um the the two teenagers like in the park is is on the the shutter show like zodiac's fantastic too but i just think i i like seven slightly more uh, personally zodiac might be the better movie but i think i like seven more just personally so all right um i'm short on time why don't we each rip off one more quick one here matt you can go or sorry uh andrew why don't you go all right so if we're only doing one more i'm gonna give my honorable mention real quick okay I was going to pick a sinister scene because you have to pick sinister because it's phenomenal. It, but mm-hmm. it's not, it's the scene where he's basically, he's in the other room and the projector turns itself on and he walks into the other room and the computer's on. And then he picks up the picture, the still of the backyard where hung. He's mm-hmm. looking out the window <clears throat> and he drops the picture down and there's Bagul right in the same spot. Mm-hmm. That seemed incredible. Uh, the Buffalo Bill scene in Silence of the Lambs in the basement. Need I say more? But yep, night vision. A little different avenue here, so I'm gonna go with Shutter Island. The scene at the very end of the movie, when you finally realize why Leo Leo was the way he was. He gets home, and his wife says, "There's no school on since three kids are in the back pond or lake." That's the that's if you're a parent or whatever. That's the scariest you'll ever. Like that's horrific. Yeah, and it's that was so tough. scary. Like that's you come home and that's what you fucking get. Yeah. Like that is yeah, that's not only horrible, that's just a very and it's so well the act. Yeah, that. Shutter Island's awesome. I would I would defy anyone to tell me that Shutter Island is not a horror film. So maybe that one. I know Andrew, you've been vying for that one for a while, so maybe that'll come up again in a topic of conversation in the future. All right. Scorsese baby. Love me some Marty. All right, Matt. What do you got? Uh, I'm going to also, I want to just start off a couple quick honorable mentions. Uh, I have the mom in the corner scene from Hereditary, which actually made me jump out of my seat theaters. Um, I was wondering I have, if you are going to bring that one up. I have uh, the year is 
There's one Satan lives, hail Satan, the end of Rosemary's Baby. Um, the, the open the window scene, little boy in the window in Salem's lot. But um, I'm I'm gonna go with um, and Andrew, you mentioned this movie briefly a, a few minutes ago. Uh, I'm gonna go with Funny Games by Michael Haneke from 1997. This is the German version. Um, have you guys seen this movie? Yeah, I've seen the Andrew. You have the, the Mike. Remake. You have too. I think just the remake. It's pretty. It's pretty much Tim the same Robin, movie. Naomi now this that's the one with scene, Michael. Michael Pitt is in the the American remake, right? Tim Roth. Tim Roth. Tim Tim Roth. Oh my think. What am I thinking of? All right, never mind. Continue. Go ahead. Um, this scene I think is only it only counts when you've seen the movie before. But when you watch it again, uh, the scene when the kid comes in and asks for eggs and he keeps breaking the, that she gives to him and keeps kind of facilitating a way for her to, to keep giving him eggs to borrow, to bring over. Great home invasion movie. Super brutal, really over the top, uh, kind of unprecedented in its uh, way. I mean, unless you think of like Cape Fear. But um, that scene, for some reason, just gets under my fucking skin, And it is just so fucking and horrific because they just fuck with these people so bad um that's that's kind of one of mine is uh yeah funny games great selection andrew i know you're a big fan of this movie as well so yeah, yeah i gotta go I, back and watch I, that one again i haven't seen that in a long time i've only seen that's the good. remake the all right <laughs> pretty much the same thing yeah all right so let me rip through a couple of my honorable mentions here and then i'll close this off and we can sail away into the sunset here gentlemen so i had um a, a couple that i thought were like you know i, I don't want to go like like too too mainstream like all these but like obviously blair witch project that movie scared the shit out of me when i was a kid the scene that i was thinking of obviously everyone thinks of the guy standing in the corner the scene where uh josh gets taken and you hear him screaming in the in the woods and then they wake up the next morning and they find his tongue and his eyeballs and that little satchel outside the tent absolutely fucking horrifying that movie scared the piss out of me when i was a kid um deep cut i had the nightmare which is actually like a documentary like movie style thing uh by rodney asher i still think one of the scariest things i've ever seen just about it's a, not not one specific scene but the whole movie it's just about sleep paralysis and the things that people see that movie absolutely scared the bitches like, out of me there's an actual like crazy jump scare movie and i can't remember what it's called and it involves like the radio host it's very good pool. what is it pawnee pool no that's oh, okay there's another I, one. i've heard of that movie though man i've heard of that one there's another one too. I can't remember what it's called. It's really good because that sleep paralysis shit fucked. So scary. Um, I also had obviously um, uh, Samara coming out of the the well in the TV at the end of the ring. Very scary. Um, the original paranormal activity I had when they see the three-toed demonic footprints in the baby powder in the hallway on the camera that freaked me the fuck out the first time I ever saw it. The time lapse. Um, yes, that time lapse one that always scared me too. Um, I'm, I'm never not going to have love for the, uh, gremlin in the window of the airplane jump scare in the twilight zone movie with John Lithgow. I mean, awesome segment of that movie. Um, and then I also had another, another newer one, hell house LLC. This is a found footage movie that I talked about. Um, I think on our Halloween draft, there's a scene in this movie where they're down in the basement of this haunted house with a bunch of static figures that they set up. And let's just say one of them moves in the background while the camera's set up and the character doesn't know that these characters are moving behind them. And it's so fucking scary. But um, my last pick, I'm just going to I've we talked about this movie on an entire episode and it's The Descent. I talked about this movie earlier, but the night vision camera 
jump scare scene when the creatures are revealed. It's just an all-time scare. I saw this movie in theaters with a buddy of mine, and I nearly jumped out of my fucking skin. And that and that scare was actually in the trailer for this movie, and it still gets me. I feel like every time it just gets me. Such a creepy, creepy creature design, and it's so fucking scary. Yeah, they shouldn't have spoiled it, but still effective. If you Im- imagine going into that blind and like not knowing what that was about. Oh, I would have been movie. that would have been the best horror movie I've ever seen in my life. God, I love the descent so much. It just it'll it'll one of one of my favorites, and I feel like it's just it's it's still underrated, even though it has such a great reputation amongst horror fans. I actually had. I had predicted on Twitter that that was going to be the scariest movie moment. I, I knew it wasn't going to be. It was going to be something like Texas Chainsaw Massacre or Alien, but I feel like I had to go a little deeper and see if it was going to be something. Yeah. So, but yeah, The Descent. It's a scary fucking movie. If you haven't seen it, you should see it. And if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't seen that movie, then what the fuck are you even doing? Oh, yeah. I forgot, yeah. Or if you haven't seen any of these movies, what the fuck are you even doing? Aside from like maybe speak no evil because it just came out, but <laughs> I was just gonna say, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I also don't have to watch that. That's okay. true. It's brutal. I got I got one more. God. Okay. It's in uh, Creep. The scene. Okay. Oh yeah. At the very end, when he's sending him like the DVDs to the documentarian, and he's like realizes guys just been the whole time. Don't fucking. Yeah, or the first time that he puts on the werewolf mask. That also got yeah, me too. That's really fucking. Yeah. All right. Well, this was pretty fun, guys. We uh we have to revisit this at some point. Maybe uh maybe when Kat comes back, um she can give us a couple of her scariest movie moments. I do miss having her on the show. I know we all do, but she'll be back soon enough. Um, but yeah, I think that's gonna do it for another episode of the show. As I'm on a little bit of a time crunch here, but uh guys, what do you think? Have a little fun doing this. Yeah, yeah that was really was fun. great. I enjoyed that. Nice. Thoroughly. Excellent. Excellent. Well, listeners, hopefully you enjoy that as well. And if uh, you do enjoy our show, guess what? You can keep enjoying our show uh, each and every week because each and every week we put out our show on all of the following podcast platforms, including the one that you're listening on right now, but uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon uh, Amazon Music, excuse me, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spreaker, and probably a bunch of other places uh, that are a little bit less popular than some of those. But you can listen pretty much to us anywhere, is what I'm saying. So, with that being said, this has been another episode of the show. My name is Mike. I'm your host. I've been joined by my co-hosts, Matt and Andrew. Gentlemen, say goodbye to your audience. Goodbye, audience. Adios, muchachos. Good evening. Hey everyone, it's Mike from America's Hometown Horror, and just wanted to say thank you again for listening to another episode of our show, because of course, we would be nothing without you listeners. If you are interested in more local Plymouth podcasts, I would highly recommend you check out uh, some shows by our cohorts on the Inebriart Podcast Network. That's right, the Inebriart Podcast Network, folks. In addition to America's Hometown Horror, you can find the Inebriart Podcast, Bar Talk, Theme Park Legends, Retro Redoctopus and Old Colony Cast, head on over and give them a listen.